Thank you for tuning in to the Radio Bible Chorus. We're continuing our study of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. In chapter 2, Paul has been making a defense of his ministry by pointing out the good behavior of himself and his companions while he was with the Thessalonians. Then, in verse 13, he commended them and told how he thanked God that they had received the word which he preached, that they received it not as human opinion, but as the word of God, which it really is. And then he discussed how the Jews were persecuting them, just as they had persecuted other early believers in Judea. And now, beginning with verse 17, he expresses his personal desire. He said, But since we were bereft of you, brethren, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Obviously, by this paragraph, no one could accuse Paul of not being concerned for those people to whom he preached the gospel. He cared for them even after he left. He says he was bereft of them. That means orphaned or bereaved. Paul felt like he was orphaned that they were his family and he was separated from them. And Paul here craves their fellowship and their love. But it was dangerous to return. And it was better to be alive for God away from them. Nevertheless, he wants to express how much he cared for them and wanted to be with them. Even though he was separated from them physically, he tells us that he was with them in heart. He suffered emotionally by being separated from them. And he tells them that he tried, really tried to return, and his words are, with great desire. And that expression, almost always in the New Testament, is the expression of lust. Well, what does it mean here? It conveys his very strong desire for fellowship with these believers. He had a passion for those who were new in the family of God, and he wanted at all costs to be there. Let me ask, have you any Christian friends with whom you crave fellowship? People with whom you love to talk about your life of faith, your growth and grace, the word of God, and the work of evangelism? Do you have someone young in the faith toward whom you are driven to share the excitement of their new life in Christ? If so, you can understand Paul's feelings for the church in Thessalonica. Now keep in mind that it is very possible for a Christian, even a Bible teacher, to have little or no concern for younger and new believers. Paul wrote, to the Corinthians about this. He said, though you have many teachers, you don't have many fathers in Christ. I have become your father. 
That's because he cared. He not only gave instruction, but he cared for them afterward and was concerned about their welfare continually. Now, let's admit it. We generally are selfish. We as Christians read the Bible, we pray, attend meetings, and give something toward the spread of the gospel, yet we may have no personal interest in the spiritual growth of a single person. If so, we ought to pray and ask God to make us aware of the opportunities before us so that we can encourage, strengthen, and even teach another Christian the good things which we have learned. If we do that, soon we will have a burning desire to serve another Christian, and then you will find great satisfaction in knowing that your love for Christ is being demonstrated by feeding his sheep. That is what Christ urged Peter to do after his resurrection. In John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15, listen to the story. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now we can show our love for Jesus Christ by showing love for those younger ones in the faith, those who will be suffering temptations, those who may wander away and go after the ways of the world, those who may begin to doubt. They need our care. And Jesus Christ is well served when we encourage strengthen and build up those young Christians. Paul somehow learned the lesson early because he was always devoted to those who had believed the gospel and come to Christ. I would like to encourage each of us who want to serve Christ to consider adopting a younger believer. I mean a spiritual adoption, of course, but it would be adoption that results in giving spiritual nourishment guidance and encouragement to a babe in Christ. We can at least invite them over for lunch. We can at least invite them into our home and get them to talk about their newfound faith, to go over a couple of passages which might be troublesome to them, to answer questions about the faith. All these things will help and they will encourage the new believer he will learn a lesson. He will learn that older Christians are concerned for him, and when he becomes strong, he will have that as an example and will in turn be able to help other younger Christians and be concerned for them like we are for him. Consider it. I think God would be pleased with that kind of a response. 
Now, in verse 18, Paul repeats that he attempted to see these Thessalonians, but he said Satan was the reason that he could not do it somehow. Satan hindered him from going. But he gives no clue as to how that happened. Did Satan instigate the Jews to seek Paul's life? And for that reason, Paul didn't go back there? Perhaps that's the explanation. But now in verses 19 and 20, Paul talks about how the Thessalonians are his joy. This is a strange expression, strange to us, because we don't often say to a person, you are my joy or my crown, but Paul did, because the greatest spiritual joy that he experienced was seeing these young believers walking in the truth and remembering how the gospel was effective when it was preached to them. Listen to what he writes in chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul seems to have been thinking of the day when he would stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and what could he say that he had accomplished? His crown would be those people in Thessalonica and others who had believed the gospel and were walking in the truth. The Apostle John wrote in 3 John, verse 4, No greater joy can I have than this, to hear that my children follow the truth. Well, these Thessalonian Christians were Paul's hope. They were his joy. They were his crown of boasting. They were like a laurel wreath that was put on the head of the victor in one of the games there in ancient Greece. What should the Bible teacher's greatest joy be? Not teaching, but seeing people come to the truth. There's nothing that makes me quite as happy as getting a phone call from someone in one of my classes or one of our radio listeners or even someone writing a letter to me saying, I heard on the radio today about the grace of God and I never understood it before. Thank you for telling me about the grace of God that has brought me eternal life. I then think of that person as being my crown of rejoicing. Now I want to point out what Paul says here, that these Thessalonians were his crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus. This is an unusual expression, 24 times in the Thessalonian epistles, far more than any other epistle, even the longer epistles, Paul joins or combines the name Jesus, the man who walked on earth, with the title Lord, which is the highest possible title given to Jesus Christ. Lord is the name given for God. It represents Jehovah in the Old Testament and also the name for God Elohim. In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter proclaimed to all those Jews that God had made him Lord. 
And he told the Gentiles when he went to Caesarea into Cornelius' household that Jesus is Lord of all. This is the name for deity. It refers to God and the Lord Jesus. And it was the Apostle Thomas who fell before Jesus Christ after his resurrection and said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus accepted that designation. He didn't rebuke him or correct him because he knew who he was. He was the Lord of glory. Well, that's the one Paul saw himself standing before and upholding the Thessalonians and saying, You are my joy. You are my trophies. You're my victor's wreath. When Christ comes, Paul wants to present these believers to the Savior. They are the trophies he's going to present. And when he writes, at his coming, this is the first use in the New Testament of that Greek word parousia, meaning his presence or his coming. It referred to the arrival of a king or an emperor among the Greeks. And here it pertains to the royal visit of our Lord Jesus Christ to come for his saints. The Radio Bible Course wants our listeners to know about our many courses on cassette tapes. Most of these are verse-by-verse studies of the epistles. Write today for our free brochure. Ask for our teaching tape brochure. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Halavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.